so missing brother and sister Parker right now, and uh, he'll probably hear this, but I'm, he is such a mentor to me. He is such an encouragement to me, and that all started back in 1993 and has just come to this day. And But I so miss them and, and so glad they get to go and travel and minister and and God is God is great. Amen. He's going to take care of of every situation. And so just in case they're listening, I want them to know I miss them and I'll tell them anyway when they get back. Amen. And uh nothing like having the pastor here. There's that mighty anointing that's on the man of God to preach and to minister and to to bring things into our mind, into our consciousness that we can walk with God every day. He because the Bible says that He He prays for us. You know, He He's responsible for our souls. So let's be praying for them. I know you already are, but let's keep them lifted up. God will bring them back safely to us. Amen. And that He will use Brother Parker's ministry up there to minister something to somebody like He's using me today to minister in this place. Jeremiah chapter two verse nineteen and twenty says, Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore, and see that it is an evil thing and bitter, that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord, the, saith the Lord God of hosts, or the Lord God of armies. For, the, for of the old time I have broken thy yoke, and burst thy bands, and thou sayest, I will not transgress. In other words, he delivered them out of Egypt. How then art thou turned into the degenerate plant of the strange vine unto me? Father, we love you today. We honor you today. We bless your holy name today. And we pray right now in this place, Lord, I bind every spirit. I bind every devil and every demon, Lord Jesus. I bind every hindering spirit, Lord Jesus. And I loose your power. I loose your angels, your ministering angels to minister in this place. Father, I loose your spirit and the power of your word, Lord God, to go forth, Lord, as a consuming fire, Lord, to go forth into our hearts and minds. Minister to each soul in this place. Lord, speak to our hearts. Speak to our lives, Lord. Speak to where we are, Lord Jesus. Be real to us in this place. Father, we pray all of this, and we ask you, Lord, to minister in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord as you're seated today. In the Amplified Bible, that same verse reads like this. Your own wickedness shall chasten and correct you, and your backslidings and desertion of faith shall reprove you. Know therefore and recognize that, that this is an evil and bitter thing. First, you have forsaken the Lord your God. Second, you are indifferent to me, and the fear of me is not in you, says the Lord of hosts. For long ago in Egypt I broke your yoke and burst your bonds, not that you might be free, but that you might serve me. And long ago you shattered the yoke. You didn't just break the yoke, you shattered it. And you snapped the bonds. You didn't just burst the bonds, you snapped them. Of my law which I put in you. You said, I will not serve and obey you. For upon every high hill... And under every green tree, you eagerly prostrated yourself in idolatrous worship, playing the harlot. 
Amen. And God wants to talk to us today about broken yokes and burnt bridges. Amen. And so as we read this scripture, we immediately, all of our, if we've read the Bible at any point in time in our life, if we understand the stories of the Bible, we know that Israel was delivered out of Egypt after 400 years of bondage. Amen. How many of us felt like we were in some bondage when we came to God? God, I can't tell you. I could just go on and on. And I can't tell you the bondage that God delivered me out of. I was, I was in bondage to Catholicism in my mind. I had a religious spirit. I was in bondage to the things that I was doing in my life at that time. As a matter of fact, when I came to God, I had had the Holy Ghost for almost nine years. I had just kind of wandered into an apostolic, not not one of our churches, but I just, I, I use the air quotes there, wandered in because God doesn't do anything by accident. <laughs> and so he made it so that I would meet this backslidden preacher's daughter in this bar and that she would invite me to a prayer meeting in her church on a Friday night. Now, if anybody in here has been in the world, if you know what, Friday night is not the night you go to church, unless you're going to Good Friday, right? And I did that as a good Catholic. I go to Good Friday service. But Friday was not the day you went to church. But I, you know, I went because my motive was to date the girl, not to go to the prayer meeting. And God will use any motive like that. He'll use that. And He did use that in my life because... I get in that church service and they had, they said, okay, we're going to have a prayer line. I had no idea what a prayer line was. But when everybody, I mean everybody got up to get in that prayer line, I said to myself at 20 years old, I am not going to be the only one sitting in a chair. Because <laughs> how embarrassing is that, right? So I just wandered over there in line with everybody else and I thought, okay, I'll be fine. Until I got to the front of the line and it was my turn to step out there in front of one of those preachers they had lined up across there with balls of oil and said, hey, I saw, now all the pressure's on. Now what do I say? Now what do I do? I hadn't even thought about what to pray for. So, no pressure, right? So I get up there and, and the one thing that I thought of when I, when I walked in that service, they were having worship service and everybody was just dancing and just people were just dancing in the spirit and I'd never seen that in my life and I was just in awe of that and I thought, wow, they are just, this is real. They don't, they have no clue I'm even here. Nor do they care if I'm here. They're, they're immersed in what they're doing. They're worshiping the Lord and, and so I got up to in front of that preacher and I, the only thing I could think to say was, whatever that is that they have, I want that. And I, I don't know how that came out of my mouth. And so God honored that. And that man put that oil on his finger and he laid his finger on my head and started praying. And the next thing I know, I was laying on the floor talking in tongues. And it wasn't long after that because nobody taught me. Nobody, nobody broke it down and took the Bible out and said, here's what you have, here's why you have it, here's what you do with it. They just kind of said, go over there and sit down, be a good saint, and keep coming. And so, lo and behold, after a little while, I just wandered back out into the world, went right back to the same old stuff I was doing. The only difference was, now I had the Holy Ghost.
I didn't really realize what I had. And so I went, went about my life for nine more years like that, not understanding at all why I never felt right doing any of those things that I used to do. I did them. But I'd go sit and just feel guilty as all get out. And I'd, I'd, I'd have a mug of beer in front of me and I wouldn't drink one drink of it. And then I'd just get up and leave and leave it there and go back to the barracks and sit in my barracks room on a Friday night and cry in the darkness wondering what is wrong with me. And God was working on me. But I had forsaken. I had, he had, he had taken me at that moment and broken me free from some bondage. That was in my life. And I forsook that. I didn't pursue that. And I should have. And I wish I could go back and undo that. But I can't. But God was merciful. In this story, what God was leading up to, what He was having Jeremiah to do, and to tell these people, He was trying to remind Israel, I delivered you out of bondage. You cried to me for 400 years. And I came and I delivered you, and you still questioned the method, but I delivered you anyway. You know, they questioned Moses. They questioned him. You know, sometimes we do that. We question God's method. We question God's God's reason and why he's allowing these things in our life. Why did he allow Israel to go through bondage? I don't know. And they didn't know either, but he still delivered them. And you would think... After he delivered them from all that stuff, all that bondage, all that being mistreated, they were God's chosen people. That they would have not forgotten that. But what happened? They forgot. They forsook the very God that delivered them, and they just kind of laid him to the side, like me just laying this Bible to the side over here, and said, you know what, we have a better idea. We like your, it's not that we don't like your ideas, God, but we have a better idea. You know, Jesus, when he prayed on the, on the hill of Gethsemane, what did he say? He said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. But what Israel did was they said, Father, not thy will, but mine be done. <laughs> and are we guilty of that today? Absolutely. We like having things our own way. We like our traditions. Because that's exactly what they did. They started creating traditions of man based on the things of God, but they weren't of God. And if you fast forward from that day and when, when all this happened, when Jeremiah was trying to warn them, if you don't stop, if you don't turn around, God was giving them every chance to turn around and they refused to listen. Matter of fact, God said in this, in this, in Jeremiah that they turned their back on Him. And so at the end of it, when, when they went, when they were getting ready to go into bondage and into Babylon, it says that God turned His back on them. He, he wouldn't even hear their prayers. It's, it's like you burned your bridges. It's too late. And that's the thing that we've got to be careful of, is that we don't burn our bridges. Those same traditions that they developed way back in that day were were alive and well when Jesus was walking on this earth and he was dealing with those religious people. They had burned their bridges. They had so become so immersed in their traditions that they couldn't even, they were so blinded that they couldn't even see that the man standing right in front of them was the Messiah. 
And today, the Bible even says today that they're, the scales are still on their eyes when they read the Scriptures. They can't see that it's Jesus is the Messiah. They're waiting for another, but he's not. when he comes back, it's not going to be the first time. And so we've got to be careful that we don't burn our bridges, that we don't break the yoke. God put a yoke upon us. We took it upon us. What does that Scripture say? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly of heart. Amen. That my yoke is what? Easy. My burden is light. So it's still a burden. It's still a yoke. We still have to get up under it and submit to it. And Israel didn't do that. And what happened to them? They went into bondage. And when God was done, and you know, they, Jeremiah got to go into bondage with them. And God protected him. The the scripture says that God protected him. And he said, don't worry about their faces. Don't worry about what they say or do to you. I'm going to protect you. He sent the preacher in the bondage with them to keep preaching to them while they were in bondage. And I heard one preacher say, Jeremiah spent over 30 years of ministry and didn't save one soul. I don't know if he'd be able to get licensed. How many people have you won to the Lord? None. Tried really hard. He preached to an entire nation and didn't win one soul. But did he do what God told him to do? Absolutely. And sometimes that's how we feel, Brother Miller. We just preach into the choir sometimes and it's just going out there and landing straight on the floor. Amen. But I don't believe that. I believe that God is, God is using men like Brother Miller talking about witnessing today. Being a witness. What were we talking about in Sunday school today? Being a witness. Amen. What is this message essentially about? Being a witness. What is the, for the District of Wisconsin, what is the 2016 uh, theme? Anybody know? Does anybody watch the announcements that go up on the It is Kingdom Prayer. Plus kingdom planting equals kingdom growth. So the operative word there is kingdom. It's not our kingdom. It's his kingdom. So if we're going to win people to his kingdom, we got to pray like we're kingdom prayers. we got to pray like it's his kingdom. Amen. And what did he say in the book of Acts? The last thing I was telling the kids, the last thing Jesus said before he left this earth was what? You shall be witnesses unto me. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And I told the kids, that doesn't just apply to those 12 guys. Because those 12 guys and a bunch of other people went to an upper room and prayed. And something happened in the upper room. The promise of the Father came, right? And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And some say it's 120. I don't know. Brother Olson said it's not 120. <laughs> could have been more, could have been less. Never really says. But that's not important. It wasn't just those 12. It was a whole lot of people that that happened to. And they spilled out into the street and 3,000 more were added. So that command, that last word that Jesus gave to those disciples, those 12, just spread out to those, we'll just use the number 120, okay? 
for the sake of the lesson. And then it went out to those 3,000. And later on in the book of Acts, another 5,000 were added. And so those disciples just kept multiplying. And they didn't, all those other 8,000 people didn't point back to those 12 guys and say, keep going. We're just going to sit over here. You guys are doing a great job. Just keep going. No. You know, the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through 47 says that they went from house to house, breaking bread and having fellowship with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily. So what was happening is they were having church and they were going to the, to the, to the temple. They were taking this message to the temple. And they were taking this message to their house and they were having home Bible studies. And winning people to God. And they were, all they were doing, they didn't have Bible school degrees. They were just sharing their testimony. You know, I don't know, I can't explain it, but God delivered me from some stuff. And if he did it, and, and he, they were probably telling their neighbors who knew them, and said, if, if, you, if, you, if he delivered me from that, my God, what could he deliver you from? Because they knew their neighbors, right? Oh, my, he really did deliver you if you're not doing that anymore, right? I mean, you have to kind of make it real. They weren't, they weren't a bunch of religious people. They didn't do it. They, they kind of threw traditions out the window. And these were Jewish people that had been Jews for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so God immediately came into this whole situation and broke tradition. He said, you don't have to kill animals anymore. You don't have to do any of that anymore. I became the spotless lamb. All you've got to do is preach the gospel. And they became witnesses, right? Amen. If you're a witness, that's just all you're supposed to do. I was talking about casting the seed. The farmer doesn't go around behind the seed and check and make sure every little seed got buried. He would drive himself and everybody else nuts. What is he doing out there in that field? They don't do that. They just plant it and they walk away and they let the sunshine and the rain and all the things happen and let, they leave it up to God. Whether they're religious people or not, farmers leave it up to God. And, the, and so, I'm getting off the subject here, but, but we've got to be careful not to burn our bridges. We've got to be careful not to break the yoke that God has put upon us and start taking things upon ourselves. Amen. And thinking, okay, I got this now, God. If you'll just stand over there and if I need you, I'll let you know. Amen. We were talking Wednesday night about faith. Amen. And it took faith for some of us to even get out of bed this morning. It took faith for us to come in this building. It took faith for somebody to pray for you that you could be here today. Amen. Sister Linda was a young person when she came to the Lord. Somebody had to be praying for her, and it took faith for her in that high school setting to stand for this truth and say, I'm going to live like this, and I don't care what anybody else says. Amen. And so we are expected to be witnesses. Amen. Give me one excuse for not being a witness. One valid excuse for not being a witness in this world today. Anybody? There isn't one. We don't have an excuse. Amen. And I asked the kids today, I said, when we're judged on that day of judgment, what are we going to be judged for? What did you say, Caleb? Or one of y'all said it. What we said. Our actions, our words, whether we are a good witness or not. Amen. So are we telling people about Jesus or not?
Amen? It's not up, it's not up to us to just come in here and just sit and leave that up to somebody else. We're to be a witness till the day we die. Right? I, I just can't forget that part, that story that Sister Parker told about that guy that said, Oh, no, no! Don't pray for me to be healed! I'm going to see Jesus! <laughs> but what was he doing in the meantime? He knew he was dying. He was telling everybody he could tell about Jesus before he went to the grave. I mean, all the way up to the moment he died. He was trying to tell the nurses and the doctors and everybody in the nursing home about Jesus. And we, my gosh, do we have to have, be on our deathbed for God to get a hold of us and say, all right, you need to be a witness. Amen. What does it mean to be a witness? Is there a certain guideline for that? What did he tell us? Go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, making disciples of men. He didn't give us any more guidelines than that. We have a witness. We are a witness. We were talking about the silent witness in Sunday school. It's not so much what we say. It's how we are. It's our lifestyle, our life before people. Let The, the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So it's not about us. It's about Him. So when you step out that door in the morning, I mean, here lately, you know, I was telling them Wednesday night, we've been here a year and a couple of months, and in the early, you know, when we first got here, I could use the excuse of I'm not from here. And the only people I know here were people in the church. And that was true, wasn't it? Those of you that know, I didn't know anybody. I hadn't met anybody yet. And it wasn't a couple of months before I ever even got a job. So I really hadn't had a chance to meet anybody. But now I can't use that excuse. I've, met, I've run into several people. I was talking about the guy I worked with at Permar. I'm not done with him yet, and God's not done with him yet. We're still talking. We're still inter, inter, you know, connecting with each other, and I'm still sending things his way. I'm still praying for him. I'm not going to let, let up and let go because I'm not working with him anymore. God put him in my path. There might not be anybody else in this world that can reach him but me, but I can't forsake. I can't burn those bridges. I can't break that yoke that God put that yoke upon us, not just so that we could sit around in church and wait for Jesus to come. What what was his witness? He went about doing good. He went about loving people, showing mercy and grace to people. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand here. Amen. I think the Lord's telling me to stop.